Thank you, Ira. I was, um, the early service, I was up here, and then somebody came up and they said, you know, when you do that, they can only, we can only see your head, right? And so I know that's not a good idea, so I'm going to try, I'm going to try to just to stay upright here. Is that all right? Good, good to see everybody. How many enjoyed the worship today, right? I was, um, I, I was over there, I was worshiping, and, and God reminded me, you know, and all of us have those uh, those God moments in our life, but God reminded me when I was over in Germany, uh, we used to have what we called the, the spiritual life conferences, and anybody ever been to Birch's Garden, Germany? Anybody? A couple. It's amazing, right? It's, it's one of the most beautiful places on earth, and we would always go there for our conferences, and uh, I, was, I was just a babe in Christ. I was probably just a couple of months old, and you know, this worship thing was new to me, and um, when we would come together for the conference, there would probably be at least a thousand people uh, that would be together, and we would be worshiping the Lord, and of course, we were Pentecostal about it, you know, and um, not stupid, but Pentecostal, right? And, and I remember seeing the Holy Spirit would be moving in waves. It was one of the most, re- it was almost like you could see the Holy Spirit. It was one of the most phenomenal things I had experienced, but God was moving in such a strong way in my life, and um, I remember the speaker he was through, and I don't necessarily, I remember several messages, but I'm not so sure if this was the specific one, but um, I remember him saying, you know what, you need to receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and uh, if you want more of God, you need the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and I wanted more of God. And um, he says, if you want more of God, I want you to run. Run, come up to the altar. And people just started breaking out of the seats and running. And uh, I was in the back. And um, you know what? My heart was so hungry um, for the things of God. And I remember getting up there, and there was people everywhere. And I remember feeling like the Lord was just pushing me to my knees. And I remember once I got onto my knees, everybody, as they were worshiping and praying, it all came together and synchronized, and it sounded like an angelic choir. Listen, you guys, it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard in my life. The only problem with it is it didn't last long enough. You know what? It was probably a split second. But that was a taste of heaven that God gave to me. And as I was worshiping over here, I was thinking, you know what? When we get to heaven, and, and Jody referred to it, we're not going to be tired. We're not going to get tired of worshiping. How many, you, how many, some days we get up and, absolutely, let's give the Lord a hand clap. You know what? You're not going to get tired of worshiping because the presence of God will give life and breathe life. To you, just like he does today. Isn't that amazing? And it's such a, a, an amazing thing to come into the presence of God and such a, um, a privilege to experience his presence, right? Amen. So um, great to be here today. I, I know that a lot of people were looking forward to today and, and, and with mixed emotions. Um, I know I was. Um, I was looking forward to come to, to, to be with you in worship, but I also knew that we were going to honor and uh, memorialize Eric. And I, you know, I knew 
that's hard to do when you talk about a good friend, right? You talk about a good friend, you talk about uh, a pastor who's made a difference in your life, and so I thought the, the, the video was amazing. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful for Eric's leadership in my life. I'm thankful for the fact that he's been my pastor. And as and I shared earlier, see how my shirt tail is out? Right? This is because of Eric. Right? And I'll tell you why. Because I used to tuck in. Now, I noticed in the video, Eric had his shirt tucked in. Anybody notice that? I noticed it. And this is why. Because I used to tuck my shirt in. And Eric came up to me one time. He said, Joe, he says, you know how you could tell somebody that's over 40 years old? I said, how? He says, you tuck in your shirt. So I don't tuck in my shirt anymore. And I'm 38 and holding. So um, where's Jody? Jody here. Jody, thank you for your obedience to the Lord, you and Eric, and um, leaving California. And um, we're going to talk about Abraham in a minute. But, you know, Jody and Eric, through their obedience, listen. Jody and Eric, through their obedience and their call of God upon their lives, came out and they founded and planted this church. And, and, and uh, through the help of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God, hundreds, thousands of lives have been touched. Amen. Thank you, Jody. Yep, thank you. Okay, so we have been doing a, uh, a series on uh, Genesis to Jesus, finding Jesus in the Old Testament. And um, I know Ira talked last week um, about Abraham and his sacrifices, giving up of, his, of the promised son Isaac, but I've wanted to go back and just touch on that a little bit more and look at some other scriptures that I felt that were really relevant and really foundational um, to our understanding of who God is and what he's done for us. Um, when we look at scripture... Um, we have a lot of insight into the New Testament when we understand the Old Testament. Um, you can be saved by grace through faith without understanding anything of the Old Testament. How many, are you thankful for that? You know, when I came to Christ, if you would have asked me what the Trinity was, or, excuse me, what, right? Or, you know, premillennialism, all of that stuff, what? I don't quite understand, but I do understand I need a, a Savior. I do understand I'm a sinner, and if God doesn't intervene in my life, I'm going to hell, right? And, um, but as we grow in our relationship with God and we grow in our understanding of God's word, um, the Old Testament really is a foundation for us um, as, our, as our understanding of the New Testament increases. And a couple examples of that would be the, the whole understanding of what sin is. You know, the New Testament talks about sin. Well, what's sin? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, and I think Jody spoke on that in Genesis 3, we understand that sin was the result of disobedience of Adam and Eve, right? And so we have a better understanding of why we need a Savior. Or how about the law? We read about the law in the New Testament. What is, what is the law all about? Well, we understand that in the Old Testament, God gave uh, to the nation of Israel the law, um, to, to walk in and to walk in obedience to, uh, right? So there's lots of different examples of that. But um, as we look at Abraham, we see a man uh, that is a key 
uh, character in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, as we look at the New Testament, the New Testament points back to Abraham as our example. How many knows that, right? In many, many scriptures, and we're going to take a look at those. But let me just open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into this. Is that all right? Lord, we thank you for the amazing promises, Lord, that you have for us. Lord, that you've given to us in your word. God, we're thankful, Lord God, that we could come here today and experience your presence. Lord, that we could lift up hands to you, lift up our hearts to you, and just give our best to you, Lord. And you are so amazing, Lord, that you would intervene in our lives and save us through grace and through faith and through the sacrifice um, of Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray that in our time together in the next 30 or 40 minutes, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, that you'd give us a greater understanding of what you've done for us. And, Lord, that you would be glorified in our lives. And so, Lord, we bless your name today. Amen. I have a lot of scriptures, so if you would bear with me, and if there's a couple of you out there that could pray for me, I would appreciate it. I always like the prayer. Are you with me? Okay. I want to uh, take a look at Abraham's call in chapter 12 of, of Genesis. Uh, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. Now, this is God's promise to Abraham. I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in the families, in all of the families of the earth, they will be blessed. One of the things that I like about Abraham and his story is the fact that God just divinely, sovereignly chose him. And, pay, and Abraham was a pagan. And he worshipped other gods and pagan gods. But here in uh, Genesis chapter 12, we see that God divinely, sovereignly chose Abraham for his purpose. And I see so many different parallels um, uh, with Abraham as it relates to our life of faith as well. How many knows that God chose you? Right? Do you, do you get that sense? Jesus said in John 15, 16, he says, you've not chosen me but I've chosen you, that you should go forth and be fruitful and multiply. And so just as God has called Abraham, God has called us. And he's called us to step out of our comfort zone, much like um, Jody and Eric did, and other team members that came out from California, to step out of their comfort zone to fulfill the call that God had upon their lives. And so it's, it's huge because... Um, I think that there are times in our life as believers in Christ that God calls us to, to step out, right, and to leave our comfort zone, Can I, right? Anybody out there? All right, thank you. And um, God calls us to step out in our comfort zone. And guess what I've learned? I don't grow unless I'm willing to step out. I could stay in my own little box, and I could be comfortable in my faith, but it's only those times that I step out and those times that you step out that we actually grow in our faith and our dependence upon God. And you know what's really exciting? God, God will always meet you as you step out. 
right? You know, when we step out and, and God asks us to do something, um, it may be to leave one state and move to another, maybe one country and move to another, maybe to change jobs or whatever it is, maybe to step out and give more money and uh, your offering and or your tithing. God will always meet us there, and he will bless us there. And that's what we see in Abraham, because God says as you step out, as you leave your country, as you leave your family, I will bless you for that. How many likes the idea of blessings, right? But not only will God bless us, but he blesses us for a reason. And the scripture says that God blesses us so that we also might be a blessing. You like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think all of us want to be a blessing. And many of us, you know, there's a lot of people here that you may not stand up in front of a congregation and and speak or be a missionary. Um, But there are areas and appointments that God has called you. And you know he's called you? He's called you to be a blessing. And as you give your life to God and surrender to him in faith, he will not only bless you, but you will be a blessing to others. Isn't that exciting? And so Abraham is such a great example in, in, in many ways. And so um, Abraham's faith, Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you, and your reward will be very great. Another translation says, I am your exceedingly great reward. Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you do? What will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. And then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. Now, who, do you remember who he was talking about? Isaac, right? Isaac is the promised son. Okay, so, um, and the Bible says that God took him outside and said, now look towards the heavens and count the the stars, and if you're able to count them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. Anybody ever looked at the stars? Beautiful skyline, right, in in Utah. You go up to Montana, big sky country, and you lay underneath the, the stars, and it's amazing, God's creation. But God's promise to Abraham is that his descendants shall be like the stars, that you won't be able to count them. They're innumerable. Verse 6 says this, Then he believed the Lord. Abraham believed in the Lord. And he reckoned it. Now, Angela came up earlier. I found out she's from the south. She likes that word reckon. Okay, is she here? Okay, she's here. Yep, she's here. Uh, she likes that word reckon. I lived in Texas. I, I reckoned I used that a couple of times. Okay. There's another scripture, another word that's used, and it's, it's credited. And it's a, it's a legal term or a banking term. Um, some of you would know better than I would about this. But when I go and I make a deposit for $100, the banker or the institution credits my account with $100. They place that money in my account. Right? I was thinking about that the other day. It's like, gosh, man, I'm trusting with these people, and I don't even know who they are, right? (laughs) I don't know who who has my money if they even have it. I get this piece of paper in the mail that says I do, 
right? But, but the Bible says that God, that Abraham believed in the Lord, and God credited to him it as righteousness. What is righteousness? Basically, it comes down to an understanding of having a right relationship with God, right? It's how to have a right relationship with God. I think that's one of the questions that we wrestle with, that people wrestle with. And, 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 and somehow we believe in God, but how do I actually have a right relationship with God? How can, how can God and I have an understanding, right? And I know who he is and he knows who I am, right? Um, being righteous is having a right relationship with God. So the Bible says that God credited to Abraham as righteous because of his belief and his faith. There's two promises that God gave to Abraham. The first was this, that I will be what? I will, I will be your shield. Right? In other words, I, Abraham, I will be your protector. Right? The second one is that I will be your exceedingly great reward. And, and I like that. Right? Uh, another translation says that your reward will be great. But I look, I look at my own life, and I, I watched the Super Bowl last week, and I'll talk about it in a couple of minutes, right? Sorry, you guys. Um, it's okay. <laughs> New England fan right up here. It's okay. It's, it's all good, right? But how many knows that Brady had his jersey taken, right? It showed up missing. Well, it can't show up missing because um, it was missing, but it was missing, so somebody took it, or maybe Tom replaced it, and I, I think it was a little awkward moment for him in his interview, you know, and I'm sure that's very valuable to him, and, and you know what? Of course it is. Of course it is, but I think about it all, all, the, all the ways that we as people, you know, strive towards um, material things, and we try to hold on and to things that are important to us. And we forget the fact that God has told us that he is our exceedingly great reward. Right? You know, none of these things that we hold on to, that we put into a bank or put up in our closet so that nobody will find them, whatever they may be, none of those things are going to be anything that we could take with us. Right? When we die. Right? And God says to Abraham, he says, Abraham, I will not be only be your protector, but I will be your exceedingly great reward. Not only your reward, but an exceedingly great reward. Now, how good can it get, right? How, you know what? That's as good as it gets. That God himself is our reward when we come to him by faith. And so I had made mention that Abraham, you know, was a, we learned from him that by his faith, God gave to him the gift of righteousness, right, or a, a, a right relationship with him. But how many knows that Abraham also wasn't perfect, right? Uh, who, there's nobody here that's perfect. We kind of stumble through our faith and our journey with God, and so did Abraham. And you can't go far reading about Abraham and his story without seeing him stumble and make some really stupid mistakes. So, in um, uh, Genesis chapter 17, there's a little story about Hagar and Sarah, or Ishmael, I'm sorry. Anybody know who um, Hagar and Ishmael is? Now, this is kind of a funny story, but, you know, this is one of those fupas that, that Abraham had that kind of embarrassed him, I think. 
in the sense that um, here, if I have my numbers correct, Abraham and Sarah are 86 years old when God promises to them the promised son, right? And so 86 years old, what are you guys thinking? (laughs) What are they thinking and what would you think if you're 86 years old and God promises to you a son? It's like, hey, um, I'm thinking that Sarah looks over at Abraham and says, you know what, you're not getting any younger. I'm not getting any younger. I don't think this is going to happen. And I think it was Sarah's idea that says, Abraham, there's Hagar. Go take care of business, right? Because we're going to make this thing happen. And I'm sure Abraham was all over that. You know, he loved that idea. So the Bible talks about how he had relationship with Hagar, and they had a son named Ishmael. Now, to make the the story short, that is a perfect example if you look If you look in the New Testament, it's a perfect example of Abraham and Sarah trying to work out the promises of God through the works of the flesh. It's 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 very it's very insightful because what it speaks to me and it speaks to you is that we can receive the promises of God. But if we're not careful in in the delay of receiving those and the fulfillment of those, if we're not careful, we will oftentimes operate in the flesh in order to fulfill the promises of God, right? And I think we do it more than we think we do, right? And so this is a perfect example of Abraham and Sarah saying, you know what, God, we're kind of tired of waiting here. Uh, We're going to go ahead and make this happen ourselves, Um, It's interesting, it was 13 years after Ishmael was born that God even spoke to Abraham. 13 years. That was a long time, right? And I don't know what what Abraham um, and Sarah were thinking, but I'm thinking that it was a long time. I think it's important that we're very careful and prayerful about our response to God's word. And when he asks us to step out in faith or he speaks to us concerning his promises that we wait upon him and allow him to work out his purpose in our lives. And that's what this whole story is about, this, the Abraham um, and Isaac and the promised son. And I'll get to it in a minute, but I'll give you a sneak preview. It's all about God. It's all about God fulfilling his purpose and his redemptive purpose in the life of Abraham and the nation of Israel, ultimately culminating in Jesus, okay? So let me give you a couple of scriptures, right? Hebrews 11, and like I said, there's many scriptures in the New Testament that point back to to Abraham in the Old. Hebrews 11, 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. By going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise. And as in a foreign, in a foreign land dwelling in tents. With Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city. Don't you love this scripture? He was looking for the city which has foundations. Whose architect was and builder was God. Don't you love that? 
And even in Abraham's journeys and his, in his wilderness wanderings, Abraham had a sense that God was going to fulfill his purpose. And the Bible says that in his faith, he stepped out. It takes faith to step out and trust God for his promises, especially if you're leaving state, one state to another, especially if you're leaving one nation to another, right? But there are times that we sacrifice and we give up everything that we have in pursuit of what God has called us to do. And in this situation, Abraham never saw the fulfillment of God's promise. But by faith, he believed it. And Galatians 6, 6 through 9 says, Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay, going back to Genesis 15, 6. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying that all of the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham. Who is of faith today? You were blessed with Abraham. Just some of you. Some of you. Not so sure, right? Yeah, everybody else goes up. I'm faith. Yeah, I got faith. Um, that's, that's what Paul is referring to, you and I, right? Um, scripture refers to the physical descendants of Abraham, right? But he also refers to the spiritual descendants of Abraham. Ira may be a physical descendant of Abraham. I'm not. But guess what? I'm a spiritual descendant. And how am I a spiritual descendant? Because I have trusted, or you have trusted, we have believed in the message of the gospel. We have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, was crucified, and was buried, and rose again. And by placing your faith in him, you become a spiritual descendant of Abraham. Good news, right? Good news. So, the, so Paul says that the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham that all of the nations will be blessed in you. So this is important here. So then those who are of faith are blessed with the believer, or with Abraham the believer. We who are of faith are blessed with Abraham. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Who was his seed? Jesus, absolutely, to his seed. He does not say into seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Romans 4 says this, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, is found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. So when you and I go to work tomorrow, I get up and I punch in. We're starting the new EMR system, electronic medical recording, and it's crazy stuff, you know, but I have to start punching in, right? If I don't punch in, I don't get paid. But... My employer, Bristol Hospice, and myself, we have an agreement. I work so many hours, and they pay me, right? Just like your employer, right? You get paid because it's not so much it's, it's what you've earned, and it's the wages that you've earned, and so they write you a check, and you deposit it, right? 
Um, if you were to go into work tomorrow or the next day and your employer walks up and just gives you a check for the whole month of March, right, and you say, whoa, I haven't even worked yet. They said, you know, it's okay. You don't have to work for it. It's a gift, right? We, we love it, right? But, but it's a gift, and the only thing I would have to do is receive it, right? And this is what Paul is talking about in Galatians. Our salvation is not based upon our works. Our salvation, listen, as Christians... Our salvation is not based upon what we've earned. Right? It's based upon what Christ has done. And it's all about grace. It's, it's all about that little... Eric was an acronym guy, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. Right? It's, and so you and I, we don't earn our salvation. We can't. As a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's probably an abomination to God. If I was to go to God or you were to go to God and say, see what I did? I'm really cool now because I've been to church. I paid my tithe six months. And God says it means nothing to me. Right? The only way that it would mean something to God is if our hearts were, were right with him. And it was more out of love and response to his grace in our lives. Then God says, you know what, I accept that because I know it's, you're not trying to earn your salvation, nor can you. And it's, it's about serving him and giving our lives to him. Does that make sense, you guys? Right? I, I like this. Um, John 8, 56 says, listen, Abraham, John 8, 56, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. How, why did he rejoice to see his day? It was the promise. The promise fulfilled. Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. Don't you love that? I love that. So we talk about Abraham's call, and we talk about his faith, which is an example to us, right? Um, This kind of ties it in this last point, and really this whole message is about Abraham's God, our God, because God is a covenant God. Right? He, he has made a covenant to us in Christ. And so this is a foreshadow of it, what we read here in the Old Testament. So Genesis 15, 7 through 11, um, this is kind of long here, so just bear with me. And um, so it says this, God said to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur. Right? Remember that? Genesis 12? You guys Remember? Okay, of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess. And he said, Abraham said, O Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? Okay, so there's two promises, really. It's a twofold promise. One, that you'll inherit land for your physical descendants. The spiritual promise is, is that your descendants, there would be a spiritual uh, lineage and there will be spiritual descendants more innumerable than you could count. Okay, so this is about the... The, the geographical promise of God. And so Abraham says, O oh Lord, how may I know that I will possess it? And then he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer. Now Matthew was sitting next to me and reading this, and he said, What is a heifer? <laughs> and I thought about that. I'm thinking, you know, sometimes some of us are new to the Bible and what it teaches, and it's foreign to us. It's like speaking French. Right, and so I'm not a heifer. I think is a female animal that has not birthed. Right, 
um, had a baby. So, but I, I just want to say that some of this stuff looks foreign to us. If you're new here today and it's the first time you've ever heard somebody speak out of the, the Bible, it's like, who is this dude Abraham and why am I talking about heifers? All of this stuff. God, this is an... The Bible's 6,000 years old, well, roughly, it started, you know, um, but the idea is that God was working in the lives and the cultures of his believers throughout history, okay? So, um, bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat, three-year-old ram, turtle dove, young pigeon, and he brought all these things to him and cut them in two. What is God doing here? God is making a contract or a covenant with Abraham, He's making a covenant or a promise. Now, you and I will go, you know, if we have a promise with one, dude, I, I, I give you my word. I promise you we shake hands, we walk away. This was a, an Old Testament or ancient way that, that, that um, leaders made treaties or covenants. And so this is what God is doing. Remember, God is initiating the covenant here. Um, the birds of the, okay, then he brought out all of these to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. Um, the birds of the prayer came, prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abraham drove them away. Can you just envision this in your mind? Um, it's probably out in the middle of nowhere. But God is moving sovereignly upon Abraham, who has demonstrated his faith. And God is making a covenant with Abraham. Do you know in the Bible, many times vultures and birds of prey are referred to as the enemies of God? And, you know, if you want to go there with me, we can go there. We could talk about how oftentimes the enemy, matter of fact, the sower and the, the seed, right, in the New Testament in Luke, refers to the fact that the sower was sowing the words, or the, or the seed, remember, and the birds of the air came and ate him up. And the, the seed refers to the word of God. And so I think biblically we can go there and say that there are times in our lives that the enemy, the enemy of your soul, desires to undermine the promises of God in your life. And he wants to forget about God's promises and what God has spoken to you. And he wants to steal those away. Right? And so God is making a covenant with Abraham, and the birds of the air come down, and they attempt to, to, to take the birds, and Abraham is, you know, shooing them away. Uh, and then the Bible says, now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness also fell upon him. And God said to Abraham, know for certain, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. Anybody know what he's talking about? The nation of Israel in Egypt. That's what he's talking about, the Egyptian bondage. God is prophesying and speaking to Abraham. This is what's going to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen. And it came about that when the sun had set, that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven, and a flaming torch which, which passed through those pieces. Uh, the old covenant was ratified. You had, you had the, um, the, the sacrificial offerings, right? And then the two parties would walk between the, the, the animals, and they would ratify the covenant together, okay? 
What's interesting here is God causes a sleep to come over Abraham, and Abraham goes to sleep because he's exhausted. And then Abraham wakes up, and he sees God ratifying the covenant. God is walking through with the flame of fire, walking through the pieces of the animals that have been cut and separated, right? And so, and then verse 18 says this, On that day, God made a covenant with Abraham. So this is, this is the gist of it. God not only made the covenant with Abraham, but he fulfilled it. That's what God was speaking to Abraham is, Abraham, I'm making a covenant with you. What is my promises to you? You're going to inherit this land, right? And all of your descendants are going to live here. But not only that, your descendants will be as the stars in the sky. And God says, I'm making a covenant with you. And then he says this, I'm not only making a covenant, Abraham, but this does have nothing to do with you. I'm going to fulfill it myself. Don't you like that? Are you, are you, are you, are you tracking with me? So Abraham, God is saying, what I'm about to do, I'm doing it myself. You don't have any, anything to do with it. And don't you know, you guys, that is the picture of salvation in the New Testament. That when it comes to salvation, it's all about God. It's all about the fact that he sent his son Jesus to die upon the cross. It's all about the redemptive purpose of Christ upon the cross and his resurrection. Don't you know that? It's not about my works. It's not about your works. The only thing that we have to do is believe and trust in it. Just like Abraham believed in God. And Abraham was credited to him as righteousness. When we trust and we believe in God for his promises then God does the same thing, and he blesses us with the gift of righteousness. Don't you like that? Second Corinthians says that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us, that we might become the what? Righteousness of God in him. Jesus took my sin, he took your sin, and we received his righteousness. Right? That's, 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 that's worth a hand clap. Yeah, absolutely. So, Give me two more minutes, okay? And I'll, I'll tie this up here in the New Testament. So what was God's promise? I referred to it already. God's promise was, Abraham, leave your country. I'm going to make you a, a great nation. I'm going to bless you, and you will be a blessing. That was God's promise. Do you remember last week when, when um, Ira spoke about uh, Abraham and Isaac? Anybody here remember that? Okay, and the, the, the great test of faith um, that Abraham um, uh, stepped out and he was obedient to God and he trusted God. Let me, I'm going to go back and revisit that scripture because it's important to what we're talking about here. Um, right after Abraham offered up Isaac, right? He's getting ready. He's got him tied up on the altar, I guess. Not so sure how all that happened. But then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham. This is uh, 22. Chapter 22 in in, uh, Genesis, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, indeed I will greatly bless you. God is saying, you know what? I told you before I'm going to bless you. But because of your faith and because of your honoring my word, dude, I'm telling you, I'm giving you an oath now. 
I'm swearing that I'm going to bless you. That's what he's saying. I will greatly bless your seed and multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies. And in your seed, if you go back to Galatians 6 that I read earlier, that's what Paul was talking about. Who is the seed? Jesus. In your seed, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed my voice. Don't you like that? Amen. So you have the promise in Genesis 12. You have the oath in Genesis 22, right? Last scripture, Hebrews 6. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Abraham, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so having, wait, having waited patiently, Abraham obtained the promise, for men swear by one greater than themselves, and with the man, uh, man, oath given as a confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of promise. Who is the heirs of promise, you guys? We are. We are the heirs of God's promise to Abraham. God is our exceedingly great reward. We are the heirs of God's promises. The inheritance that God has for his people is ours. By faith today, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose. Interposed with an oath. So that two unchangeable things, what are two unchangeable things? The first one, what? Is God's promise. He says, in which it is impossible to God for God to lie. God can't lie. It's not in his nature. He's holy. He's truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God made a promise to Abraham. He can't lie. He made an oath. And so by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. Guys, we have a hope that is set before us. And it's not a worldly hope that is just like, well, I'm hoping it's going to happen. But when the Bible talks about a hope, listen to this. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner before us. Isn't that an amazing, are you, are you catching that? God is tying this whole covenant thing together. And what he's saying to us is that Jesus Christ is our hope. Jesus Christ is our reward. And because of what Jesus has done upon the cross, the covenant is ratified and fulfilled. It's, you know what? There's nothing else to be done. You can't add to it another good work. Right? It, it's, it's completed. And because of that, you and I as believers in Jesus, right, we who have placed our faith and our hope in God, one day we will experience the amazing benefits and blessings of God found in Christ Jesus. 
Um, guys, you and I are not the promise keepers. God is. And God kept his promise to Abraham, and he's kept his promise to us through Jesus Christ. That's how the Old Testament and the New Testament are tied together, because the covenant that God made with Abraham and has fulfilled in Christ. And you and I, as believers in Christ, we are recipients of the inheritance of God. Right? Does that make sense? So God is the, God is the promise keeper. So um, I, t- I promised you, and then um, Angela is going to come up, and she has a song. Uh, so she's going to come up. But listen, I, I promised you I'd bring up Tom Brady again. Right? How much did he get paid? I, 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 he hasn't sent me a check yet. I'm not so sure. He's ma- he made a promise, but I haven't seen it fulfilled yet. Um, they were interviewing Tom. Listen, I'm not a Patriot fan. But listen, guys, you can't take anything away from them. Right? I told my son, Matthew, I said, you just saw the greatest Super Bowl ever, right? Going into the third quarter, 25 points, Matthew said it's over. And I said, you can never count Tom Brady out. What a game, right? Um, They were interviewing Tom Brady, and and, and and the interviewer said something like, uh, what were you thinking? What What were your teammates thinking going into the fourth quarter and you were 25 points down? All odds were against you, seemingly. You know what he said? He said, we, ne- he said, we never stopped believing. He said, every one of us on the team, we kept believing. And you know what? As God's people, regardless of the circumstances that face us, regardless of the tragedies that, that, that come against us and the battle of the enemy, regardless of the hurt and the pain that we experience in a broken world, you know what? We just keep on believing. We're going to keep on believing because God is the covenant maker and he's the covenant fulfiller. He's already done it, guys. Right? Right? Amen? So we're going to trust in God's promises. Absolutely. Guess what? Guess what? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is building his church, Right? Right? And guess what? We're the people of God. He's building us, right? And so, you know, like Jody said, we're going forward, right? And you know what? God is going to do amazing things, not because of us, in spite of us, right? He's going to do it because God is God and He has promised, right? He has promised that He would build His church and we are His church. Isn't that great news? If you're here today, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today is a good day. Today is a good day to place your faith in him because the Bible says that he died for your sins. You can't get to heaven by your own works. You can't get to heaven by your own deeds, right? It's all about putting your faith and trust in, in, in what he has done upon the cross. And then as you put your faith and trust in him, you give your life to him. And you allow his Holy Spirit to begin to work out his purpose and his plan. And, you know, if you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ, I just want you to come up and talk with myself or Pastor Jody or Eric or some of the other leaders. And um, let, them, let them help you with that. Okay, and so let me pray, then Angela's coming up. Dear God, 
We thank you, Lord, that you're the promise keeper. We thank you, Lord, that um, you are the sovereign God. And, Lord, we just affirm our, our faith in you today. Lord, thank you that you're building the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you're fulfilling the promises in our lives even today, Lord. And some of us are here today, Lord, and we're struggling in our faith. I pray today, Lord, that you would just affirm your presence and your power in their lives, Lord, and that you would pour out your spirit upon the church. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.